0: Everyone and welcome to another Scots We Hay podcast. And this week I'm joined by writer Denzel Merrick. Hello, Denzel.
1: Hello, Alistair. How are you? I'm very
0: well, thanks. There is so much to talk to you about. Um, but let's begin with The Death of Remembrance, which is the 10th in the DCI Daily series, is that right?
1: It is indeed. It's it's the tenth year and the tenth novel. So you've basically been writing a book a year. Well, no, actually. <clears throat> because I changed publisher and the, the the first book Whiskey from Small Glasses was originally published by a small Glasgow publisher right um that I'll say no more about however that uh I moved to Polygon and we didn't publish the second one until um 2014. So the the second daily novel came out in 2014 rather than 2013 right so right. it's and I've, and I've obviously written more than just what the daily Novel. so I'm much harder working than that.
0: You are very hard work. That's why we've got so much to talk about. (laughs) To begin with DCI Daily, this has been a hugely successful series. Can you give us, I mean, this is probably a big ask, can you give us a brief breakdown to the series and the characters?
1: Well, I've just written a piece in the Times about this. Um, I got the idea for Daily after watching The Sopranos, that wonderful American gangland drama, and, I wondered about it for years and I thought that it was the juxtaposition of, you know, the the real visceral violence and humour. And I had an idea about writing a book and I thought, well, the genesis of it was the, the interest I have about how policing changes, whether you're in a city or whether you're in a rural area. And it was obvious to me that these were very, very different jobs depending on your location. And I thought it would be interesting to bring um, what are Glasgow detectives down into somewhere like Kinloch, which is, as we all know now, a thinly veiled Campbelltown, mm-hmm. um, and that was the that was the starting point, Alistair. That's where I I, I came from, and so I, I I I took the Sopranos mix of um, laughs and um, extreme violence, and took it to Kinloch. And made it a police procedural, and that was that was the sort of genesis of it all.
0: And in the death of remembrance, you jump between the past and the present. Um, was that a structure kind of important to this book? You know, you're kind of looking back. If it's your tenth anniversary, mm. did that kind of lend itself to this book in particular?
1: It did because I wanted it. We've we've done that in previous books. I think. Um, uh, my goodness, can't even remember which ones there are, but we've done a quite a, lot, a bit of jumping about backwards and forwards, and we've covered Daly's backstory. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was time to cover Brian Scott's backstory more fully in this this book. And it was nice with it being the tenth book and the anniversary and everything else. Um, and it sort of it it, it kind of um, it fills in that gap that you don't know about Brian Scott, his early time. He's he obviously joined the police before Daly, and so there was part of it you didn't know about him. And I thought that was interesting as well, and how that informed not only his, his current uh, way of being in the police, but also his relationship with Daly and, and other police officers. So that's why I thought it would be an interesting thing to do, you know.
0: And it, it is interesting in, in that you kind of jump back, not just in place, but in time as well, to uh, a, a Glasgow that I kind of grew up in, and. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, kind of hit the the places and the, and the people that you might still expect to meet? Because I think some <laughs> people think um, Glasgow in the 80s was kind of, you know, garden festival and year of culture, but that was all right at the very, very end. During the kind of early to mid 80s, it was still kind of bandit country in places.
1: Still is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, um, yeah, it's always handy when you set a series of books in a place like Kinloch, yeah, you, I'm always conscious of the fact that I don't want everything to emanate from there because it becomes ridiculous. It's like Midsummer Murders on Speed, isn't it? Um, and whereas you know, if you can bring it's a port, and if you bring in problems from outside, as I always try to do, usually, yeah. uh, then then it broadens out the the scope and the and the canvas of the book, and it's handy to bring in Glasgow as well because you know these guys are rooted in Glasgow they're from Glasgow they're Glasgow police officers who have just happened, happened to be find themselves in the rurals as I say so I've en- I enjoyed that as well because I worked in Glasgow as a police officer back right. at that time so it's it's uh, interesting from that perspective
0: so a lot of the situations are the people in places from your experience
1: I'm not totally I mean clearly I'm an author and I, yes, you know, I'm writing, writing not- fiction so there's but you know, you do pick up wee bits. I, I always say that the most important part of anything I write based on my time in the police is the relationship between police officers mm-hmm. and how they relate to each other and how they relate to the public, etc., etc. So it gives you a really good grounding in that. And because it's Glasgow and at that time, it's probably quite close to the way things were. And I'm delighted to say that I do speak to a lot of police officers. I'm a member of a an ex police officers group on Facebook, and they all say, "Well, we read we read crime novels, and yours are the most um, true to life and and you know genuine ones that we 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 we've come across, you know, and that's really nice to hear because I, I don't know how people perceive the police to be then or now, mm-hmm. but from the inside, that's how I perceived it.
0: And you've got this very strong relationship between the two police the central characters of, of, of Scott and Daly um but what interests me is then the families who might not necessarily have any other connection apart from the fact that their husbands work Mm. together are brought into that um and that's the interesting dynamic
1: yeah i think when you're when you know the police isn't just a a job or a career it's a lifestyle. and if you're a policeman or woman or a police officer i think it's more politically correct these days you your families do become involved. Your friends are most likely policemen because the w- the way the shift system works. So you you probably socialise a lot with your colleagues, and so your families do become friendly with people that you work with, and even more so when it's down in a place like Kinloch, where by, by you know these people know each other already, and so it's natural that they would seek each other out when they're down in that isolated community. Uh, and I find those dynamics also broadens out the books. It, if you, the dynamics of it change when you bring in family and children and wives and girlfriends or whatever, and it's it's you know I really like that kind of aspect of it. I've always enjoyed writing the the books from that point of view. You know,
0: and in this case, new new police officers as well, new people. Um, you know, younger blood for want of a better word.
1: Um. Yeah it's good to freshen up things also. You know, I always try to freshen up every book with new characters or um, different circ- uh, situations, et cetera, et cetera. And, it, and it's it, it's always, handy. it keeps me fresh as well. And, and and though even every book, you know, there's a thread, there's underlying themes of of um, characterization and story and story arcs going right through the, the whole 10 novels. You can still read each book um, as, as a standalone novel, if you like.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think you could, you know, you could pick up The Death of Remembrance and just, you know, enjoy it as own thing. I think it will probably send you back to previous ones, but you can, hmm. uh, can absolutely uh, do that. But I was going to ask you about characters, and especially over a series of this length, of ten books, how you do develop the central ones in particular. I mean, do you have to think well, oh, they've already done this, they've already had a situation mm. like this. Is that quite challenging?
1: Yeah, I think it's something anybody who embarks upon writing a a long-running series has to take into account. You know, you do have to to look at the previous story arcs and, and what's happened to them in the past and not miss that out. So, you know, I can write, I think we're going to talk about another book in, in a wee while yep. that's not a daily. Um, I could write that much more quickly than I could the daily novels because you don't have that baggage to to attend to every time you put pen to or finger to keyboard in my case. yeah. yeah. Um, and so you've got to be wary of that, but at the same time, it's an aid to you because you've already, you don't have to establish characters. You don't have to establish settings. So you're there, you're in the place that everybody knows and it's it's quite an easy introduction. So there's pros and cons to writing a series, um, but but you you know, some people, it's amazing the people that will write to me and say, well, listen, did, was Scott not born in July? <laughs> or did he not do this in book three or whatever, you know? That's, so that's quite interesting.
0: And that is one of the, the joys about reading a long-term series that sometimes characters will pop up who you're really, as a reader, you're really pleased to, to see again. Yeah. Let's, talk, let's talk about Kinloch. I mean, it's uh, interesting that you've done this. As you say, <laughs> it's kind of based on Campbelltown. Mm. Smallish place. Does that bring its own challenges? I mean, even just with people. Now, do you stay down there? Is that right? Are you kind of in that area?
1: No, I've, I haven't lived there for a long time. I live in side now. All oh,
0: right. Okay. Right.
1: Um, I, I just for
0: and you never wrote any of these while you were there.
1: No, I didn't. I, 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 I mean, I spent my childhood in in Campbelltown. I was I was born in Glasgow by default because my mother had chronic asthma, right. and so anybody who was in that area and had any kind of you know. Um, expectant mother who had any kind of health problem was immediately rushed off to Glasgow to have their children so half of Campbellton are born in Glasgow right and it caused me actually a problem with the local one of the local editors of the Campbellton Courier because he insisted Glasgow man and sometime Campbelltown resident this idiot and uh, this this uh, really annoyed me um because it was only just by default but but uh yeah, I lived on, off to Campbellton for a long time. And um, but obviously, when you get older, you do different things like going to Virginia or whatever and work and the police in Glasgow and yeah. and then businesses away. Um, but I still consider Campbelltown to be my home, no matter how long I've been away from it. Yeah. Because, and, and you'll find that with most Campbelltonians. Right. If you ask somebody living in Santa Monica where they stay, they'll where they're from, they'll say Campbellton even though they've lived in Santa Monica for 30 years.
0: Do you think that's because it's not the easiest place to get to? So there was almost like, <laughs> you know, we're here and uh, we don't get, well, yeah, nowadays you will get a lot of visitors, but, uh, you know, I often think Argyll in, in particular, which I like to visit a lot now, mm. um, you know, it's still, for a lot of people, a kind of forgotten part of Scotland.
1: Well, Campbelltown, I don't think, is representative of any other part of Argyll. Right, it's much more. Like a, it's much more like Bali Castle,
0: right?
1: If you like, um, it's much more like, like Northern Ireland. But even in that, there's a difference because I think Campbelltown is one of the, the most isolated parts of Argyll when you uh-huh. look at it. Yeah, uh, and there's a community spirit and tradition built up there that I don't think exists in many places. Maybe in the islands, mm-hmm. we visited Kirkwall um, just before COVID, and that reminded me it a bit of home um but but in essence if you're not from Campbell, the little thing is you're a stranger right oh, she she married a stranger oh and my father was 40 years in Campbellton, and he was either my father or my mother's husband right he would never get his own name you know uh and it's very much like that um maybe changed a wee bit now than from when i was young but still it's a really tight-knit community and it's one of these places, But my mum and dad died, they died 20 years ago this, this month, actually. And I, my mother had just died, who was the second of them to die, and I went home and I needed, you know, I needed to go to the grocery to get some groceries. And I went around the local um, shop, the grocery shop, um, I think it was Tesco, that's Tesco, down there now. Mm-hmm. And it took me two and a half hours to get around the shop because everybody was stopping and saying, I'm really sad to hear about your mum and dad. This is awful. And so and an ex-girlfriend of mine referred to it as being like a big family. And in, in essence, that is the case. And still to this day, despite social problems that afflict every other community in this country, yeah, I still believe that Camel is one of the best places to bring up a family and bring up children because of that, the very nature of its, its being, you know? hmm
0: with that in mind, have you had reaction to the books over the years from uh, people from Campbellton?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that probably in Campbellton, just a bit everybody's got at least one of the books in the house, which is great. Campbellton was a great launchpad for me for... Um, because people at home supported it wholeheartedly and they bought the books. And when you're just coming up and... You're looking for sales and you're looking for you know, to, you know to get noticed to have that kind of fan base ready ready made was was you know fantastic and um i i, I thank in every book for the support i get and it's overwhelmingly positive you get the odd person that says oh well you know this makes campbell and sound like um uh, you know the bronx yeah but you know you just got to say it's fiction you know it's the same for people in Lewis, or the same for people in Shetland, or the same for people in, you know, wherever a, a, a crime novel's set. And I that's why I put that thin veil across it of being Kinlaw, Yeah. to make the distinction that these things happen in Law if they don't happen in Campbelltown, thankfully. Yes. So, but overwhelmingly positive and very supportive.
0: But that's still interesting, because it's still fairly rare, uh, you might disagree with this, but uh, that, that crime novels are set outside the bigger cities in Scotland. It's- yeah, yeah. Um, which which makes it such an your book such an interesting read, and other people who are now mm. doing uh, kind of similar things, kind of almost taking time all around the place,
1: aren't they? Just, <laughs> um, I I feel as though you know I didn't. If I was to write about a a city at cop, it would have to have been set in a city that I knew, and the only big city I knew well enough would be Glasgow. Yeah, and I uh, you know and I just felt that it had been done. Yeah. Am I, I going to write a book set in Edinburgh as well as Ian Rankin? No, I'm not, because I don't know the place, and he's a great writer, and it's been done again. So for me, that was another point of difference. Yeah. I, I discerned very early on that to have any success at this game, you really had to try and um, have something different on the page. Make up, It didn't necessarily have to be a total revolution, but it had to be something that was distinctive. And that was why I, I chose to set it in the rural setting.
0: Um, and going back to the characters, I I think this has been announced. I hope it has. It's on the back of my copy of the book. that The series is going to be coming to TV.
1: Is that right? Mm, yes, it is. There's, it's limited to what I can say to you about this. But no. uh, the, what's in the public domain is it's coming to television and, and Rory McCann will star as from Game of Thrones and various other fine television and film roles. Will uh, star as as daily.
0: Yeah, I don't, uh, the Scots porridge oats ads, and He was indeed the book club, which I loved. The book club, it was fantastic. In it the was way. very,
1: very good. And Rory's a. It, it, funnily enough, we had a, there was a poll, a self-inspired poll on Facebook about four or five years ago by by readers of Daily, and who would be the best man to play the Daily role, and Rory McCann came out as overwhelming. Favorite now he was riding high with Game of Thrones at the time, yeah, sure. but but I some of the suggestions were we even had Richard Griffiths at one point suggested, <laughs> and I said well that would be he I don't think he would fit first he doesn't fit the profile of what I see daily as and, and the secondly he's dead, um but but um you know and that also people always say oh what about what about X, y or Z who have already played TV cops yeah. you know and. But Rory, for me, was you know Daly's got a big presence. He's a big man, and you know I think he's absolutely perfect for it. And I'm delighted that he's he's involved.
0: Oh, yeah, I think it's a great casting. When when I read about it, I thought that sounds absolutely perfect.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and I think uh-huh. as being being a you know I'm an executive producer on the show, which brings me very close to all that's going on, and it's a fascinating process, and it's in its own right, and very different from from um, uh, writing the books. You know, it's uh, the page and the screen are two very different beasts.
0: I was going to ask you how closely you were going to be involved in the process, but that's really interesting. Do you then have to write new things for it? Are they all based on the books which have come out?
1: Anthony Nielsen is doing the the screenwriting. Um, Anthony of the the Big man, you know, there's so many, he's written so many, plays and and um films and tv shows he's he's just written uh we i hate susie um for hbo Mm uh really experienced really good um it's not going to be a regurgitation of a book by book but you will certainly if you've read the books you will certainly get the essence of daily and the place and everything else and the characters and Anthony's done a fantastic job, he's a really, that was a major coup getting him on board as well, because what a guy he is. I can't speak more highly of him. Um, So you'll recognize, you'll definitely recognize the places, you'll recognize bits from the books, but it won't be in the order that you've read them or It won't be all about what, what you find in the daily books.
0: It's interesting and it's really good to hear that because I've spoken to a few writers whose work has been adapted mostly for film who were kind of slowly elbowed out of the process altogether, you know, they really mm. didn't want the writer hanging about. So it's good to know that you're kind of, you know, there.
1: Well, it's, it's. Um, I've got to say, I've been having had a little or very little or none, uh, no experience of of television and film. They've welcomed me with open arms and, you know, it's great interacting with them all and and guiding this through its uh, production phase, phase and into the, to where we actually have something on the screen. And I hope people enjoy it. I think they will because it's not going to be Shetland. It's not going to be, it's going to be something like the books are different. It's going to be something different.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. You have been very productive, as we mentioned at the beginning, and you've also got another novel published recently terms of restitution. Mm. Um, what can you tell us about that?
1: In terms of the institution, it was the dawn of um, the worst of times, if you like. Right? It was it was the worst of times. It was the the very worst of times. It was the start of the pandemic, and I decided that you know I had nothing to do really, so let's stick in a book. And all I wanted to do something different, mm-hmm. and I th- and I like gangster novels myself, and so I thought I'll do a wee gangster novel and slip that in. In terms of restitution, was the result, and so it's a set set in Paisley, another place I know very well, and and um, I, I just thought it was it was nice to do something away from Daly. and I think it worked really well. It was certainly it sold well, and it was very you know it was well received. Uh, it's
0: it's, uh, it's not concentrating on the the police this time. It's concentrating on the criminals themselves.
1: Yeah. It's, and again, interesting to do something from the perspective, isn't it? Uh, and I think that you know we've seen lots of Gangs, The Sopranos, and and all the kind of stuff you see gangs of London and television. You see all these gangster, these gangster um, TV shows and films, but very few of them are from the Scottish or or from you know that certainly from the Paisley perspective. And that was interesting to do as well. Uh, and I, again, the humour had humour in it because that's the way real life is. Yeah. You know, you don't. Nobody exists in this kind of misery all the time the way they're portrayed. I mean, Line of Duty is my favourite when I mean, they're all talking in initialisms and that you know anacronyms, and you think, my goodness I me, mean, that's nothing like being the police, right? But have you got the fg 4 Now he's with the WOHS. You know, you think, no way, that's just nonsense. So I always try to bring that into the books because it's something that exists. I mean, you you, you don't live. You know, in a world where nobody cracks a joke.
0: No, of course.
1: You know, and I just find that that takes away from the realism of anything for me. Uh, it really, really does. Well, con- yes, on you go. Well, consequently, I was just going to say the TV series will have that as well. It's not going to be all mm-hmm. gloom, doom and initialisms, thankfully. Though I'll, though I'll take the success that, that Line of Duty had. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course. Uh, uh, in uh, terms of restitution, it's based, you, you mentioned the Sopranos a couple of times, and that's kind of what I thought about the Paisley crime family, because it's an ordinary family, ordinary and in inverted commas, mm. who happen to be involved in, the, in, in crime to yeah. various degrees. And again, you get these people who, you know, crack private jokes with each other, embarrass each other, you know, all the things that families always do. But yet, at the back, there's this real genuine threat of something terrible. I mean, in fact, without giving anything away, it's a kind of really terrible event that kickstarts the whole book.
1: Yeah, anybody who's involved in any job, you really have two lives, unless you work with your family, where you've got maybe one very difficult life. Um, So, you know, even a policeman has two lives. Uh, A shopkeeper has two lives, a barman has two lives. You know, whatever it is, you know, you've got two lives. And these guys, it just happens to be the extremity of their lives is very different. So they have children and grandchildren and mothers and fathers. And I think people forget that. They don't just live in this gangster box where they go home at night and sit with gangsters and then plan the next dastardly deed. Uh, And that's what I was trying to put across as well, that holistic being of the characters, but to round them and, and everything else, because they're not just dealing with the exigencies of, of violent, organised crime. They're dealing with with the wee boy's dentist appointment or their daughter's ballet class or their wife's birthday or whatever else it is, an argument before they left the house. or you know, and so it's the kind of small things like that that I like to include in the books, because I think it gives them that kind of that 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 realism.
0: Because I think as well, having reading a book like this in Scotland, so you when you watch The Sopranos or you watch Goodfellas or whatever, there's still a distance. Could you go, Oh, yeah, that's this, they speak like that, there's a glamour, mm. not that. Whereas reading in terms of restitution, you think, Well, I either have or know a granny like that. I, you know, I know that <laughs> someone who's married into what you might call a a family where everyone else doesn't approve, you know, that kind of, Sure. these are things that uh, people will know. And I think it really kind of uh, adds something to the book in that way.
1: Yeah, because, you know, you might as well set it in Outer Mongolia if the characters who inhabit the book aren't genuine and believable from the place, that setting, if you know what I mean. I mean, you could, you could place, what's her name from Dynasty in, in Paisley? And that's not going to work yeah. because people that don't exist in Paisley. So it has to be, you know, believable from, the, you know, the settings point of view as well as the arc and everything else. And I, and there's such great warmth in places like Paisley, you know? And I like that to come across. And Paisley, like Campbelltown, gets a very bad, bad uh, billing, you know? It's really not fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Paisley's, a, I'm very fond of Paisley. I don't don't ask me well, I think it's because it's a bit like a big Campbelltown, really. Right. It's very much, you know, people say that the uninitiated will say, "Oh, it's just part of Glasgow." You know, you know. And we had this discussion with the TV people. I says, "No, it's definitely not part of Glasgow. It's Paisley." Yeah. And it has its own identity and its own way of way of going about things. And so I wanted to bring that, yeah, bring Paisley into it and make it a place in its own right.
0: Um, although that's interesting that you might think twice about going into a Paisley pub after what happens in the first couple of chapters.
1: Mind you, you might, you might think twice about going to a Campbellton pub after you've read Daily. It's
0: <laughs> <That's> very true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I, yeah, Paisley does get a reputation, and I suppose I'm playing on that a wee bit with setting the gang the gangland thing there. However, uh, I don't think I'm doing it gratuitously. and rather set something again in a fictitious place like Kinloch is, albeit it's a thin veil of Campbelltown you know if if you know a place and you know the people and you know what goes on I think that makes things far more believable um you know you there was a famous there was a writer in in that genre a few years ago who was an islander mm-hmm. and he wrote about Glasgow crime and the books were very praised and he was a very good writer but there wasn't that you, you knew he wasn't from Glasgow and didn't have much experience of Glasgow. I mean, I'm not going to name, name the writer, but it, 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 uh, it came across that, you know, some of the things that happened in the characters that inhabited the books weren't Glaswegians. And so, you know, it's like me writing about Manchester. I mean, I wouldn't have a clue where to start, you know. So that's why I sort of stick to that kind of maxim.
0: And another reference, which I thought while I was reading it, was... Uh, the Godfather. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in, which is what kind of happens to Xander, yeah. right, the kind of cr- crime boss, isn't it? Was that yeah. if kind of, you want to show a side, here's a guy who's got this reputation, but here he is, kind of helping others and being a kind of useful member of society. If you like, and yet he is kind of drawn back in when certain things happen.
1: You know, it's all about it's all about the life you've led. Nobody, nobody has a life or a past that doesn't impact on their present, do they? Yeah. And it must be very difficult to grow up or be in that kind of world and then try and change for whatever reason. Alexander's gone through tragedies in the books, in the book, and and clearly he's trying to alter his, his the course of his life. But, but things happen again with his own family that mean that he's dragged back into something he doesn't particularly want to do. Uh, and that's interesting as well from it's, it's that inner dichotomy of, of what to do and what not to do, and should I or shouldn't I? And, and as you say, yes, it's like the, like the, the Godfather, mm. you know? Just when I thought I was up, they put me back in.
0: And you've got, you said earlier, this kind of mix of, of comedy, but with real violence, almost shocking violence at the time. Do you shock yourself at all when you write these things, or is it kind of planned out? Do you know kind of what's going to happen?
1: It's this if I'm going to put violent violence in a novel, it's either going to be off the page or off screen, if you like, Mm -hmm. implied, or it's going to be on the page. And there's a new term that's come into um, crime writing recently called cozy crime. There's nothing cozy about crime. Mm -hmm. You ask anybody who's been a victim of crime, there's nothing cozy about it whatsoever. And I understand that it's a genre. I understand it's a subgenre of of crime fiction.
0: Well, I don't. What does it kind of refer to? Um, how how would you explain a cozy crime novel?
1: Well, I think now it refers to the book set in the sort of Agatha Christie and ah, right. sort of set, you know, small village in England or Scotland, indeed Scotland or anywhere, and it's all kind of very middle class and cozy, and right. but somebody always ends up dying, and yeah. there's nothing cozy about that, you yeah. know. So I want that, that impact, that, that, you know, that authenticity, you know, it, it's, it's, it's fiction. And by, you know, by that very uh, term and by that, by the very notion of that, it's not going to be real, but you want it to, to come across as being as real as possible. And I don't think I could write Cozy Crime very well, or want to.
0: But I, I'm thinking I've spoken to people who, Sometimes say they're surprised at where their characters go or things that they might do, and I'm just wondering if that's something that you think, or I know a, a lot of crime fiction in particular is is kind of very crafted. If you like thinking, right, this will happen here and this will happen here, and I know I'm getting to this end.
1: I'm I'm, I'm not a planner, right. Alistair. I don't plan. You know, I, I I have the notion of a beginning, middle, of an end in my mind. Mm-hmm. But when I sit down at the computer in the morning, that's when the story comes out. Uh, and it's interesting that, that, you know, I, I, that's why I've, I've got, there's, there's tart noir for instance. Yeah. It's a term I did, I don't like at all because my books aren't, aren't noir. Noir means relentlessly dark. And my books aren't le- relentlessly dark. There's darkness in them, but they're not relentlessly so. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's, I never wanted to write and a relentlessly dark book. I'm great admirers of people like, admirer people like Henning Mankell and the, some of the Scandis, who can do that dark, cold thing yeah. and it just goes right the way through the book. And the, you know, MD who's read Henning Mankell will know wh- what a great writer he is or was. Um, but that's not what I wished for my, my, my books. Um, and I want that humour and the warmth to leaven the violence that we're talking about. And so it's not like, you know, stand behind the settee when you're watching Doctor Who in 1974, when your mother told you, don't, you'll be awake all day with these Daleks. You know, um, it, there has to be, I just want to be holistic about it.
0: Yes. And I think that idea of humour is really important in the way that uh Scots and other people do as well. It's not just us, but try to lighten sometimes the darkest of situations.
1: And that's so prevalent in all of the emergency services. Yeah. You know, if you talk to an ambulance, you know, a paramedic or a fireman or a police officer or anybody, Mm -hmm. they will tell you that it's the, you know, it's that gallows humour that keeps them going. And it's a a kind of natural safety valve because you must remember that the people who work these jobs see terrible things. Mm That, 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 that the majority of us don't ever see in a lifetime. And they can see them on a weekly or daily basis um, quite often. And they're just human beings like the rest of us. And so they need that safety valve to get through these awful times.
0: And I found in terms of restitution in particular, what they call a real page turn. And it got me thinking about how some of the best crime rating, you do just absolutely fire, th- You really sometimes can't put it down and you're up to the wee hours to get it finished. Is that Mm -hmm. the nature of um, solving puzzles or solving crimes, I guess, or is it something that you as a writer has kind of learned to do? You know what works and gets people turning
1: the page? I think good storytelling, no matter how it's done, you know, you can have a writer with a completely different style than me or, Mm -hmm. you know, set of characters or set, you know, as long as it's a good storytelling, you will be in that space of wanting, you're at, at your work during the day and you're thinking about the book you want to go home and finish at night. And that's the kind of space I want people to in when they're reading my books. And so, yes, there is a craft to it, to a certain extent. You know, you can leave chapters on a, a kind of cliffhanger um, and these are the kind of tricks of the trade. But, but, but honestly, it doesn't really matter. As long as you've got that story, that solid story, that people want to find out what happened next, and it can be within the crime, it can be within the who done it nature of it, which I'm not hugely a fan of, mm-hmm. um, because you know quite often in the daily books, for instance, we know who's done, who's 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 the perpetrator of the the crime, and but it's how it's all about how daily gets to that stage, um, but but yeah yeah it's just good storytelling, and whether it's crime fiction or not. It, I don't read a lot of crime fiction and I never really have, but you can't say you read books by X, Y, or Z that just don't hold you every bit as much as, as um, a crime novel does. So there's something about storytelling that makes you, that compels you to go back.
0: I think there's also a thing about having a, a character that people begin to really engage with um, because yeah. they care about them and they want to know what happens to them as well as what else is happening.
1: Yeah, you get involved with the, the, the characters, the family, the you know, the I suppose people sometimes identify with the the, the characters they're reading about. There's an as that aspect of it as well. It's like when you came out of a James Bond film when you were twelve or thirteen, and you would walk out of the darkness of the cinema into the bright sunlight of a at the seafront in Campbellton, where the both cinemas were, one is still, yeah. and you would all of a sudden you'd be in your head, you were still James Bond. Yeah. You know? And then it dawned on you, you had to go and get a fish supper for your mother. So it wasn't just quite as glamorous as all that.
0: going back to terms of restitution, is this you think going to be a one-off, or will you revisit the Finns or
1: uh no in terms of restitution is definitely a standalone.
0: Right.
1: I mean, I don't have any plans to write another one. I can never say never, isn't it? Because you you never really know. But but I wanted it, I wanted to write a one-off standalone novel and That's what I I did with the terms. And I think that obviously you enjoyed it, which is great. Mm -hmm. And a number of other people enjoyed it as well. And it was well received in the press, both sides of the Atlantic and everywhere else. So it's lovely to to get that kind of recognition and the sales to go with it. And I'm always appreciative of that.
0: Well, can we briefly revisit Kinloch as well and your tales of Kinloch? Because they're very different books. Um, What can you... Can you explain what that series of books are and why you wanted to write them?
1: It's a funny thing, Alistair, because these books came about, these novellas came about by by really by accident. I'd agreed in a contract with Berlin Polygon to write three daily novels and three novellas yet to be discussed. And just as I signed that contract, along came COVID. Right, and as I was writing the, the first one, which is a large measure of snow, I thought, well, initially they were going to be crime driven. And I thought, do people really at this time want, you know, yeah. death and destruction and, and violence? Let's try something cozier. So they're, they're set in the 1960s and can lock the same can lock that daily inhabits, but mm-hmm. in the 60s, Hamish, who's in the daily books, is a, a wise kind of sage like figure as a younger sort of ingenue in, in these books. And I just wanted to be humorous and going back to the great old storytelling of Compton Mackenzie and Neil Monroe and his fabulous Angus MacVicar who I knew and was a great source of inspiration to me. These, these fine writers that created something that's maybe seen as a bit passe now, but I don't think it is. I don't think nostalgia ever and that good humor and, and something gentle, that never goes away. I watched the Maggie just recently again in film for the umpteenth time. And you still laugh at it. It still gives you that kind of warm, ready bright glow when you, when you watch it all over again. And it's, yeah, it's, it's from a, a long time ago and, and perhaps it's a bit passé. But for me, I, I love that kind of stuff. And as it proved with with the novellas, the Sandy Hoynes novellas, as I call them, They've become a great success, and and the third one will be out this Christmas. Uh, uh, ghost, ghost, ghosts in the gloaming.
0: Yeah, it's a, because they do kind of feed into things like local myths, legends, even a bit of the the supernatural, um, which it was <clears throat> well one yeah. wasn't what I was expecting when I picked them up. So when you went to Polygon with these ideas, um, how was what was the reaction? But you know, as you said, they were maybe originally going to be crime books. Did they think? we're not sure about this or were they on board straight away?
1: Well, to be fair to Polygon, they'll probably take anything I write and publish it, you know, because they've been, you know, been successful. Yeah. Um, and so I have the luxury of, of that. Um, but Hugh Andrew at Polygon, who's the managing director there and the kind of driving force behind that publishing house, um, he, he loves that kind of stuff anyway. Yeah. So it kind of, it helps. Uh, but we, we, the, and I've got to say they did a fantastic job of putting these wee books together. The 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 cover of illustrations um, by Abby Salvison who right does a does a fabulous job of the covers. Um, you know I think that they're well they're little little works of art in their own right, and it's that kind of format, isn't it? It's like it's like an extended ladybird book. The the kind of format yeah. they've got them in. They're absolutely um,
0: gorgeous books to just pick up, <clears throat> have in your hand, you know, which is sometimes <clears throat> And if you see the covers, it just immediately you're kind of taken into the type of book it is. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I, and I, and again, I don't think there's many publishers in the UK, and I can't speak to the wider world, but I don't think there's many publishers in the UK would would necessarily go, do something like that, um, and put. Polygon can do it because they've done these type of things with the Sandy McCall Smith, yeah, uh, and so they've experienced how that all works and put, gets put together, and and they ended up as being really nice gifts for Christmas, if you like. Yeah, and I'm, I'm getting asked every Christmas now. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to my Christmas fix of Sandy Hoynes and Hamish. <laughs> well, you know, it's I, like the, I completely understand that. It's like the Bruins and Newbury.
0: <laughs> a little bit like that, slightly misleading, but yeah, there is a, a, <laughs> a but again, what a great idea to take Hamish, uh, you know, and, and put him in these very, very different books, because it does link, you know, your work that way.
1: Yeah, it's the old child is the father to the man thing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and everybody sees him the way he is and knows him the way he is and the, this kind of, kind of mystic figure and, you know, sage-like and the second sight that he has in the Daily Books, but... You see him in the raw there, a raw young, first first mate on a, a Kinloch fishing boat. And you realise that, yeah, he started off young and, and not knowing what the hell was going on as well, the same as the rest of us did. Yeah. And, and that's always comforting to know. But Sandy Hoynes takes on that role as the the wise old owl. Um, and he's an interesting character in himself because you grow up and you know so many of the fishing community. Or in those days when, right. you know, when I was young, things weren't the way they are now. Uh, where there's I think four, four or five boats in the Campbellton fleet mm-hmm. um, the fleet was still of a reasonable size but you you know these people and you grow up with them and it just I think rubs off in you by a sort of you know a, a, a osmosis almost
0: well Denzel it's been so good to talk to you I've really enjoyed it
1: excellent and you too Alistair it's been really nice
0: and all the best with, with, with everything um yeah looking forward to reading what comes next watching what comes next and everything else
1: well go the as i say um uh, the death of remembrance is out, it's out last week yeah uh, in audiobook ebook and in print of course and ghosts in the gloaming will be out the third sandy hoynes entire tale will be out in october in all three formats as well
0: and I have to say the Death of Remembrance, you'll definitely be able to get it in a bookshop because I was I've been in about half a dozen over the last week or so and I've seen them even waiting to get put on the shelves. So they're
1: Oh, there. oh yes, they're, they're we're very lucky because Wattersons have been a huge supporter yeah. of of the Daily Books and indeed smaller bookshops all over the place as well. Not let's not forget the small bookshops that do That's such nothing. a great job. And um they've been supportive and really, really good now, and, and I thank them all.
0: Fantastic, perfect place to leave it. Thanks very much, Denzel, and we will be back soon with someone completely different. Cheers. <laughs>